YouTube reveals revenue numbers. Spotify gets the ESPN of podcast networks and Facebook audience network discontinues for the mobile web. It's Monday, February 10th, 2020. All of that's coming up along with the week's news quick hits on episode 393 of Brave Ad World. New consumers, new media, new strategies. This is Brave Ad World. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 393 of Brave Ad World, the official podcast of BraveAdWorld.com, which combines actionable insights with some of the latest headlines in social media and digital marketing news. Every week or close to it, I take the top stories, provide a recap, and then share insights as to what those stories might mean to us as marketers. My name is Taylor Wigert, and I know, surprise, I didn't know I was going to be doing a podcast episode this week, but here I am. There was so much to talk about, I figured might as well just record it, even though I'm on the road. So if this sounds a little bit off, that is why. But with that out of the way, let's just dive right into it and talk about YouTube. So Alphabet this week, they had their earnings report and it did not go as investors had hoped. Total revenue grew to $46.1 billion last quarter, but that didn't meet expectations. We also saw operating income. That was a miss for this report as it's been for the actually nine of the last 10 quarters. So Alphabet, they made a bet that they would in some ways maybe control the narrative a little bit more by revealing some information that up until now has been kept secret. So what we found out was just how much ad revenue comes from YouTube, which up until this point has just kind of been lumped into Google's total overall ad revenue. So we found out that YouTube generated $15.1 billion in 2019 ad revenue with $4.7 billion being generated in Q4 alone. YouTube generates, that means YouTube generates about 10% of Alphabet's total revenue. Google retains 45% of that revenue and dis- redistributes the rest to publishers, to content creators, to those who are adding value on the platform. Most of the ad revenue comes from brand advertising, but direct response advertising on YouTube is also growing. Another $3 billion came from ad-free YouTube subscriptions, YouTube Music, and YouTube TV, all sort of lumped together in that $3 billion bucket. So as I said last week, Facebook disappointed investors. This week we saw Alphabet disappointing investors because investors have just become so accustomed to exponential growth in earnings from quarter to quarter from these giant tech platforms. Sharing YouTube numbers, it was clearly intended to change the earnings narrative a bit. And the numbers are certainly interesting. And in many ways, they were successful in that YouTube is a massive asset for Alphabet, but it's also a costly one. And that's what's going to be interesting to watch as we keep on moving forward. YouTube has had to make massive investments in its platform to police content, to get YouTube kids in order, which has been kind of a mess up until now, all while being part of a Google-wide antitrust investigation. So there's a lot going on on the YouTube front. And this week, we just got a little bit more transparency into how YouTube functions within the Alphabet organization as a whole. All right, let's jump next and talk about Spotify. So Spotify, they're continuing their podcast network buying spree with the acquisition of Bill Simmons, The Ringer, 
which includes more than 30 podcasts along with online articles to coincide or to run alongside those podcasts. All of that is supported by about $15 million in revenue. At least that's what we learned in 2018. The Ringer, it's it's just the latest of a slew of podcast acquisitions made by Spotify over the last year or so. The most notable acquisition up until now was the premium content network, premium podcast network known as Gimlet. So this is actually a pretty big deal as it sets the stage for more competition between Spotify and Apple Music on a couple of fronts. So first, Spotify has more paying subscribers than Apple Music. And Apple Music via Apple Podcasts is really the king when it comes to podcasts. But that could change. Right now, Spotify's owned podcast networks, they're not restricted to Spotify itself. People can listen to pretty much all of Spotify's podcasts on a variety of platforms, even like Apple Podcasts of all places, of all things. So, But Spotify's approach to acquire high-quality podcast networks with built-in audiences, that this could be a precursor to podcast wars. Spotify, they could lock down their own podcasts to to its platform alone, basically put them in a Spotify walled garden and drive audiences who love their podcasts to Spotify to listen to them. So that could mean we end up with a podcast environment similar to what we have today with video streaming, where different platforms have different content. And if you wanna watch something, you have to go to that platform, subscribe to that platform, to get access to it. The other front that makes this interesting is Spotify's taking steps to formalize podcast advertising and making it more measurable and targeted for advertisers. So if it can build the audience and build more advertising credibility in the space, it could be a huge win for Spotify because not only will it generate ad revenue, but Spotify also won't have to pay royalties as the owner of the con- because they're the owner of the content, which is not the case when it comes to music. So this is definitely an interesting acquisition, an interesting evolution in the Spotify platform, and just an interesting move in general to how advertisers should think about the podcasting space. All right, last story of the week, another kind of doozy, Facebook audience network support for mobile web and in-stream ads, it's going to be discontinued here in just a couple of months on April 11th. The ad offering, it allowed brands to extend their ad campaigns to third-party apps and mobile websites. According to Facebook, the mobile app offering is is still going strong. That's not going away. The mo- Like I said, the mobile app offering of the Facebook audience network, that's not going away. But extending campaigns to websites through the Facebook audience network that's that's what's going away. That's what's coming to an end. And it's difficult to see this decision being made without the influence of GDPR, CCPA, the declining effectiveness of, of cookies, growing calls for transparency and privacy. Browsers are, are making ad targeting more difficult. They're limiting the effectiveness of, like I said, tools like cookies. Beyond that, Facebook just rolled out the clear history button. So in, in many ways, they kind of put one of the nails in the coffin of this thing because users can will have the ability or do now have the ability to limit the data that sites can collect on them for targeting. According to Facebook, 
this particular offering, it was a very small piece of their overall business. So that raised a question, what does this mean for news publishers? Well, the Facebook audience network, it's still going to be able to be leveraged in instant articles. Wow, so this is likely the first among many changes to the advertising ecosystem as privacy changes continue to move forward. This move was clearly motivated by the demise of cookies, but Apple and Google, they may not stop there. If they decide to evaluate mobile advertising IDs, for example, Facebook Audience Network could become phased out altogether. And if that's the case, Facebook still has a very robust platform and they're probably going to focus on offering advertising within their own apps. That's certainly still their, their bread and butter. That's where they have no problem making quite a bit of money. So Facebook's not going to be hurt too bad by this, but is it is an interesting move in sort of the, the breakdown of the Facebook audience network and what increased privacy controls and privacy regulations, the effect it's going to have on the advertising online advertising ecosystem. All right, so that is it for the week's main story. So now I'm going to dive into the news quick hits where I'm going to hit other stories that happened this week at a high level that I didn't discuss earlier. So YouTube, the YouTube and parent company Google, they revealed updated policies for handling political disinformation. They're now barring content that has been edited with the intent to mislead YouTube viewers that could lead to, quote, egregious harm, unquote. It's also banning conspiracy theories that advance, quote, false claims related to the technical eligibility requirements for current political candidates and sitting elected government officials to serve in the office, such as claims that a candidate is not eligible to hold office based on false information about citizenship status requirements to hold office in that country, unquote. In other words, Google is banning birther conspiracy theories. Lastly, Google is banning misinformation related to voting and the census. These are definitely welcome additions, but it raises the question, what took so long with some of these policies? All right, let's keep rolling. Google Chrome is now requiring cookies to implement SameSite. This is a backend protocol that shows how the cookies work and track users. If cookies do not have the protocol, Google will actually delete them. Beyond that, Google is requiring all publishers to be secured with HTTPS connections. Failure, failure to do so will result in the removal of any third-party cookies from their sites. Google has announced plans to remove all cookies from their Chrome browser by 2022, so expect this to be the first of many by Google to gain more control and to regulate more how cookies are being leveraged. YouTube uh, was the only secret until now ad revenue numbers that we learned this week. We also learned through anonymous sources that Instagram brought in $20 billion in ad revenue in 2019, which is about a quarter of Facebook's revenue for the year. To date, Facebook uh, has only reported revenue from its, its family of apps. Twitter is starting to blur out deep fake and otherwise manipulated content while offering explanations that the content may be manipulated. It, it will proceed with the removal of such content for only the worst offenders that are likely to cause harm. Snap's Q4 earnings missed estimates by reporting sales of $560.9 million, just below the projected $562.9 million. The company reported a high net loss due to a $187.5 million settlement from a class action lawsuit related to the company's IPO. Snap also noted that it's been actively investing in talent and its ad platform. 
So this report, it was a bit of an outlier for Snap, which has turned the ship in 2019 in a lot of ways, recovering after a pretty botched app redesign the year before. Those efforts played out with this report, too, because the company was able to report that it now has 218 million daily active users exceeding expectations of 214 million. So while Snap did fall short financially, it was able to point out and really make the case that investments had been made for its future and those investments are starting to pay off. As the streaming wars continue, Disney Plus revealed their user numbers. It now has 28.6 million subscribers at the end of Q1, beating expectations of 26.5 million, and it is now 17% of the size of Netflix's user base, which is pretty impressive given Disney Plus basically just launched. Thanks to the bundle with Disney Plus, ESPN Plus grew about 5 million users in the last year. Hulu grew 33% over last year to hurt to hit 30.4 million. Aggressive pricing and bundling, it's been a major factor for success, and I don't think we should expect that to go away anytime soon, especially as new platforms continue to roll out. Speaking of Hulu, Disney plans to expand the, plat the platform inter internationally. Uh, speaking of Hulu, Disney plans to expand Hulu internationally in 2021. Currently, it's working on licensing agreements to do just that. Netflix is growing rapidly internationally, but Hulu has no intention of standing by while it expands further. Facebook, they launched their one-time notification API for Messenger. The update allows brands to reach out to customers with updates related to their interests like price drop alerts, uh, back-in-stock alerts, any follow-ups. Uh, through Messenger. After the first notifications, users, they have the option to request further notifications in the future, or they can discontinue further communication. The latest numbers on ad blocking are now in, thanks to a new report from PageFair. Currently, 527 million people block ads on mobile globally, which is up 64% since 2016. 236 million desktop users, uh, uh, block ads, which is down 16%, and about 4% of mobile traffic in the United States is made up of users running ad blockers, but this is expected to actually increase to 6% in 2022. This rise, it's attributed to mobile ad blocking being becoming less of an add-on for users that they actively need to install themselves, and more of a product feature for browsers like Safari, like Firefox. Twitter, they had a pretty impressive Q4 earnings. They announced ad engagements up 29% year over year thanks to audience growth, improved ad, improved click-through rates. The platform emphasized health as really being a major focus for the platform multiple times, probably trying to differentiate themselves from Facebook a little bit. And to top it all off, they reported their first ever $1 billion quarter. And lastly, Pinterest Q4, that was strong as well. Revenue is up 46% year over year, and monthly active users have grown 26% as Pinterest has reached 335 million. All right, like I said, that was a lot to talk about. That's why I'm recording this one from the road, but that is it for episode 393 of Brave Ad World. Before I let you go, I do want to hear from you. Send questions, send comments. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like to Brave Ad World at gmail.com. And if you get a chance, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice. It helps me know what you think and it helps others find the podcast. I can be found on Twitter at T Wigert. That's T W I E 
G-E-R-T. You can also find my personal thoughts on marketing at braveadworld.com, occasionally at least. All right, thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more, check out braveadworld.com.